So if you want to think about what a stagflation really is, it's when you have an, a recession with GDP going down, unemployment going up, and demand going down. That's a recession plus inflation. Right. We know that we're in an inflationary economy. You've already heard me say GDP is going down before we've evidenced that with two quarters. Right. You, you've heard us talk about this went from a supply side recession to a demand side recession. And demand is, in fact, consumer demand is dropping. It's been dropping and sentiment along with it has been dropping right, for because, quite some time. Because demand without affordability is not demand. Right. Look at us. Yeah. We should trademark that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah 100%. Should. Yeah. That and yacht it up. Yacht it up. Yay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's ice, that's an ice cube thing. Uh, right? yeah, 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 yeah. We keep making ice cube references. We do because he's a G. Unemployment going up would be the last piece for a really defined recessionary economy. Right. But being as that's a lagging indicator, you're going to see more of that going forward. And that is my segue, baby. Segway. Segway. All right. Yeah. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. It's the higher standard. This is the sexier of the two hosts, Chris, and... And the honest of the two co-hosts, Saeed. Wow, well played. (laughs) That was not planned at all and hurtful. Good job. (laughs) So we have a lot of data to talk about this week. There's a lot of home-related information we could start with. Yeah. We could also start with some interesting stuff from the National Bureau of Economic Research, which has come about actually just a couple hours. It's actually Ember. Ember, because we can't articulate ourselves well. Right. But rather than do that, Mm -hmm. jumping off of where we started last week somewhat with political information, I thought we would start with the complete and total shit show that is Nancy Pelosi. Okay. (laughs) So Nancy Pelosi has been... A little bit of a focal point in the news as of late because she has done some things that are, let's say, very highly questionable. Right. Remember when we talked about her husband, Paul Pelosi, trading the NVIDIA stock before she actually proposed the chip bill, which ultimately raised NVIDIA stock price. And then he sold the stock, making three times her salary. Boatloads of money. One day. Yeah, exactly. Well, she also had told everybody that she had planned on a road trip to, of all places, Taiwan. Okay. That might not be controversial to some, but she's also been very openly critical of China. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, she would be the highest ranking U.S. official to visit Taiwan in 25 years. I did not know this. China had also gone to the extreme of saying, if this bitch shows up here, we're going to have problems. Right. Obviously, they said it much more diplomatically, but I'm paraphrasing. Mm Mm-hmm. From a communist country, it sounds something more to the effect of, 
if she goes there showing support, we will be very enraged and do bad stuff. Well, they were. She did go. I did not know this. This on top of the White House specifically saying, why are you going there? Do not go there. You have no need to be there. Mind you, this chip bill and NVIDIA and going to Taiwan also has implications for stock price of the same company and reverberations in, frankly, insider trading that her husband could or may be doing right now. Yeah. So there's all sorts of implications why this is wrong. But as soon as she landed, China scrambled jets and started missile tests in the area. No. Oh, yeah. They're pissed. Rightfully so. Okay. I mean, I mean, it's like, like we told you guys not to come. This like we control. I don't know how much money. And And there's a tremendous amount of tension. Have you ever been to China? I have not. So in the Chinese international terminal, there's actually that's where you fly to Taiwan. It's the international terminal. Oh, okay. But Taiwan is technically part of China. But right. there's a whole storied history yeah, we don't exactly. have time to get into. All of this to say, I think Nancy Pelosi has gone off the fucking deep. I mean, it's crazy. Like, they've made so much money over the years, right? Like, you can't pay someone else to go and represent you. Like, Well, it's not even that. It, it's it's clearly there's, there's an ulterior motive mm-hmm. driving it. But why does she need to go? Exactly. Well, and the White House told her not to go. Yeah. You've gotten somewhat screwed. You were getting scrutinized pretty significantly by those who were at least paying attention right. about your trading in NVIDIA, this chip bill. Her going there, mm-hmm. the chip bill is supposed to bring all this stuff domestically. Her going right. there bolsters the company, NVIDIA. Yeah. I, I don't understand what she's doing mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. I don't think anybody does. I don't think anybody does. Exactly. But I didn't want to start the show on just housing economics because this is one of those things that's so absolutely insane Mm -hmm. that I think mainstream media isn't even covering. And that's one of the one of the things that we always preach on the show. Right. We always tell everybody to keep your eyes open and watch what's really happening. Don't necessarily follow the news reports. Well, this shit's really happening. Right. That shit is really happening. And it's going to have has major implications, major implications, major, major, major implications. Right. But speaking of which, in a, in addition to that, something else that people should be keeping their, you know, eyes on and ears on is so that apparently there's this new stimulus bill that's expected to get passed. Okay, I know we don't want to get I political. Hate, I hate stimulus so I much. I know, I know. But is it? This isn't like 2020 stimulus. This is a different kind of stimulus package. There doesn't matter when the stimulus come. Look, to, any kind of stimulus at all is generally a bad idea. But let's just hear how yeah. bad of an idea. Just, yeah. So this is being uh, presented by the Dems. Okay. It's called the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. Okay. Are you that savvy now that you're using the expression Dems? Yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. I, mean, I, was Democrat, political, I was a whatever. political science major. Were you really? Yeah, I was. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh. So they're presenting this bill, right, with, with the process of reconciliation. For those of you that don't know what that means, it's where you only need 50 votes to pass a bill in the Senate. The Dems have 50 representatives in the Senate. Okay, this stimulus package would be spending $500 billion and it's broken up into four main categories. $500 billion. $500 billion, okay? They're so saying- A couple of dollars. A couple of dollars, right? Jesus. We won't get into all the, all the semantics of it, but one that I thought, or two that I thought were really, really interesting was of that $500 billion, the IRS would be receiving $80 billion. Wow. Okay. So that, that's, that's a pretty- Pretty heavy chunk. Uh, yeah, That's yeah, 20%. A chunk almost. of it, right? And also, side note, the IRS's current budget annually is $13 billion. Wow, really? Okay. 
They're, so, they're, they're immensely understaffed, though, for, our, for right. a lot of what's happening. And right now. now listen to this. On, to your point about being understaffed. $45 billion of that $80 billion will be used to audit more Americans. The IRS... Yeah, I already don't like this bill. Yeah, this, yeah, this, this is, is bad, 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 bad news bill. for a lot of people. Terrible. IRS saying with the additional funding, they will be able to collect $204 billion, aka a net profit of $124 billion. So give us money so we can get you guys more money. So we can audit more people. Yeah, this is fucked up. What's the this name is of this bill? Really, What's the yeah, name of this bill? Yeah, this is the Inflation Reduction Act. Inflation, there's a inflation <laughs> Reduction Act. That's fucked right? up. It, we're going to reduce inflation, America, by causing you to pay more in taxes right. by hiring more people to audit your ship. But then... That's a terrible a, fucking idea. Another big part of this bill that I think you'd find really Tax interesting... Tax the rich! That you'd find really interesting... Just not me. ...is a, a huge portion of it will also go at, to the largest corporate tax increase in decades. There will be closing uh, of tax loopholes... Yeah like the carry of interest and 15% minimum corporate tax. So what could that possibly do? Maybe raise unemployment numbers? Oh, uh, yeah. Wow, good call. Yeah, that, that's that's real. Uh, damn. That's, A- I hadn't heard about AKA, that before. AKA inflation reduction? Yeah. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. Look, I, I don't think the... That, that would be terrible if it passed, but... Well, it looks like it is going to pass. I mean, well, so they have to do this by October 1st, I believe. Right. In order in order to use records. I don't think you're going to get 50 Dems that support. Keep in mind, these people all pay taxes too. These, these people all have corporations sponsoring them, donating to their campaigns. Mm-hmm. I think it sounds sexy, but I don't know if that anybody's going to do that. If you're going to change some pretty significant things, at least, let's just talk about the corporate side of the corporate tax side of that. Yeah. I don't know, man. So the project, well, how they're trying to pitch this as is $500 billion spent, okay? They think that their net profit at the end of all this will be $300 billion, which is essentially how much it costs for the $1,400 stimmy package. <laughs> that's, how they're, that's how they're pitching it, to get that money back. So let me get this straight. So stimulus for America, written out in checks, was a bad idea. Right. Didn't really help the whole inflationary cycle and effectively put us from one supply side recession into a demand side recession. So alternative theory, what we're going to do is we're going to pay ourselves this time. Right. And bill you guys more. Right. Yeah. When you guys are making less because you're paying more for products. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a totally reasonable government thing to do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. That's something that people should be paying attention to. Yeah, the sad part is, is is they bury stuff like that. And if you just read the headline of that bill. Yeah, it sounds great. It sounds great. Inflation reduction, I'm all for it. You're like, wait a minute, I'm going to get another stimulus check? 1500 bucks? Sold. Where do I sign? Here? Yeah. Got it. Approved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care. It'd be uh, super, super I want simple. that down payment for that car. Right? <laughs> That's how people thought of it. That's exactly. Well, yeah. And, <laughs> and they, they did go buy cars. Mm-hmm. Well, let's pivot from politics for a little bit to what I saw on television earlier today. I was uh, in my office doing my usual thing, and on CNBC, the CEO of the National Bureau of Economic Research, Enber, right. for those of you who can't say it, right. say that three times fast, National yeah. Bureau of Economic Research, National Bureau of Economic Research, you could probably do that. In any event, I had never seen him talk before, uh, certainly not on anything as prolific as right. CNBC. I can't imagine as a CEO of Enber... Private nonprofit organization. I just want to stay out of the public. Yeah, you're diet. probably not getting a tremendous amount of love whenever you're not in a recession, yeah. which is most of the time. Right. So this dude, uh, James uh, Porterbaugh, Porterbaugh. I don't want to say that right. Yeah, Porterbaugh. Yeah. MIT professor of economics. 
So he's clearly an idiot, <laughs> right? He weighs in. His Sarah Eisen's interviewing him, and I think to myself, okay, this dude's gonna, this dude's gonna say something, right? Right? Like, yes, yeah. Let's see what Jimbo's got to say. Turn the TV up, kick everybody out of my office, close the door. Like, I'm, I'm good, right? Right. He starts off strong. He says that uh, recession determination won't be made anytime soon. That they need to look at trends in time. They need to look at data and analytics. That Enber does not take in political considerations in its determination. I'm like, yes. Yeah, as they should. Say the right things, Jimbo. Give it to me, Jim. Yeah, yeah. Give it to me. Right? Give what to you exactly? It doesn't matter. Okay. It's just, you know, give me the love. Got it. Then he said some stuff, and this went left. The committee is more concerned with chronology over time and trying to align different circumstances to try and figure out how to put unique data together. Which is a complex way of saying absolutely fucking nothing. Yeah. You put unique data together to maybe represent that we're not in a recession. So effectively, he didn't identify a single quantifiable metric other than saying that the two successive quarters of negative GDP growth is not in and of itself a unilateral way to determine a recessionary economy. Right. So there are other factors, a variety of other factors. doubling down on what the White House said. He did, but he didn't. He also cited one incident where, well, actually, no, he, he hypothecated. He made up a scenario with which two quarters could be negative, and in theory, it would not be recession. Mm-hmm. And I immediately was like, what in the actual, what are you talking? Dude, you're literally fabricating a scenario which has not happened in American history and saying, that's the reason why the definition is not just exclusively this. Bro, does it matter if it hasn't happened? Right. Let's talk about the exception when it does happen. Yeah, exactly. You know, so he, he didn't. They, uh, Sarah Eisen actually was smart. She she um, she pointed a little bit at him and said, "Well, what about the jobs numbers?" And he deflected on that one big time. Mm-hmm. But he did mention that these were indicators that are in in consider in consideration. However, low unemployment numbers was not necessarily a a red flag that we were not in a recession. He didn't say a lagging indicator, which oh, I thought he was going to say, but right. he basically said that there are, that would go there, against everything that they've been saying. Right, so, there's a yeah. number of recessionary economies where unemployment was low. Yeah. So it was a fascinating thing. And look, I have a photo of him for you. He, does he not look like the nerdiest dude ever? Yeah. And arguably, he he looks like Jerome Powell's nerdier brother. Yeah. Okay. Right? They, yeah. That, that, is, that is effectively yeah. either that or Yoda. And the yeah, ears are yeah, big. Right. The ears are big. And I, I'm making fun of a man who's much smarter than me and has a way better education. And I'm justifying it with he's much smarter than me and has a way better education. Right, yeah. So exactly. it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's not... Punching up. Yeah, I'm punching up, not down. Right. So. Okay. I know that people were listening to that shit going, you know, hey, man, Dave Ramsey was right, bro. Yeah, I told you. <laughs> these, these realtors are right. This is not going to be a recessionary economy. And to this, I'm going to say, no, mm-hmm. it is already a recessionary economy. But I'm also going to say we're seeing signs in the real estate market of weakening that is significant. And we can talk about those in a moment. But one of the key things I'm hearing people talk about on social media is stagflation. It's Remember, ba- it's back. They they were talking about it for a minute and then it right. went away. It went away. And I think the reason why is recession is a scarier, more normalized term. Uh-huh. Whereas stagflation still has that element of, I don't know what that is. It sounds different. Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like a type of economic scenario that's fancy, but I don't really know. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I wasn't exactly clear on the definition myself when we started using it, because it had just been so long since I'd actually heard it in an economic sense. Okay. So 
I've I posted on social media a great chart that that explains it. But I want to point out if you go to Wikipedia and you were to look this up, granted, not the most reliable source for economic definitions, but in this case, it's right. Yeah, it's a side note. They actually had to lock down, uh, you know, what the definition of recession on Wikipedia because so many people were fucking with it. Fucking with it. They were, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. It's whatever the hell the White House says, <laughs> yeah. motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah factual. So. Stagflation is literally defined as recessionary inflation. Mm-hmm. So if you want to think about what a stagflation really is, it's when you have an, a recession with GDP going down, unemployment going up, and demand going down. That's a recession plus inflation. Right. We know that we're in an inflationary economy. You've already heard me say GDP is going down before we've evidenced that with two quarters. Right. You, you've heard us talk about this went from a supply side recession to a demand side recession. And demand is, in fact, consumer demand is dropping. It's been dropping and sentiment along with it has been dropping right, for because, quite some time. Because demand without affordability is... Not demand. Right. Look at us. Yeah. We should trademark that shit. Yeah, yeah, really yeah 100%. Should. Yeah. That and yacht it up. Yacht it up. Yay, yeah, yay. Yeah. <laughs> It's ice, that's an ice cube thing. Right? Uh, it, yeah, 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 yeah. We keep making ice cube references. We do, because he's a G. Unemployment going up would be the last piece for a really defined recessionary economy. Right. But being as that's a lagging indicator, you're going to see more of that going forward. And that is my segue, baby. Segway. Segway. All right. Yeah. We predicted on the last show that August 1st was going to be a big time for recession, recessionary layoffs. Yes. That it was going to be impactful. Mm-hmm. As we record this today, it is August 2nd. Yep. Do you think there'd be any headlines already? What do you think? Uh, there should be. I mean, if there were layoffs, right? Do you think, do you know if there were any? You know, no, I didn't see know? any. I was, oh. I, I was researching. I didn't see. What I did see was uh, job openings went down. Well, yeah, and there's a lot of uh, the tech companies, Google in particular, uh, I think Apple did the same thing, saying that you just need to learn how to be more efficient. We need to really improve efficiencies. Right. But there were layoffs. And um, I think that they're important to note, not because I like saying, hey, we're right, but because I think the companies that we're laying off are not the companies that you would think. Okay. So Robinhood, Robinhood earlier in the year, in April, already had a round of layoffs. Mm-hmm. Today, they cut 23% of jobs. 23%. 23% of jobs. Wow. Siemens, uh, the mobile tech company, I think is what yeah. they do. You, know, you remember the name, right? 2,500 jobs. I'm, I'm here. I'm seeing back-to-back tech companies. Yep. Oracle. Job cuts hit customer experience and commerce cloud unit. <sighs> how much how much did it say there? They didn't say how many okay. in the article I checked. So there's still... There's a lot of people who are getting savvier. They're not doing like these large layoffs all at once. Right. They're doing them over time. Okay. And the next prediction I'll have, in addition to this, is we're going to hear about more layoffs, obviously, that, that have happened on August 1st, which was a Monday. Okay. But we're going to hear about those uh, over time. They're, they're not, they don't necessarily make the na- national headlines. Not everybody like, goes out and you know announces it. So it has people have to talk to do it. Right. Uh, I think people like Robin Hood were su- under such a microscope from their activity anyway that is kind of visible. But we're going to hear about more of this over time. But I also think we're going to see a second round around Labor Day. Okay. I think by that time is where you're going to see some some impactful additional layoffs. So that really, when you think about it, goes from August to September. Now, is that before or after the next Fed meeting? Uh, it should be just before. Yeah, just, it should be just before. Just before so, yeah. Okay, it should be just before. So I, again, that I think the Fed would look at that happening as as a natural good thing. I mean, unemployment being a lagging indicator, they're going to say, okay, GDP down, unemployment up, demand down. Yeah. Inflationary environment. We are in recessionary inflation, a.k.a. stagflation. Mm-hmm. It's not their place to make a call, and they're certainly fighting the ideology of being in a recessionary economy. But 
let's just say hypothetically the Fed and the White House and everybody, Dave Ramsey and everybody were right, we're not in a recession. Mm-hmm. Let's just do this again. Just, just to really hit the point home. If gross domestic product has gone down for two successive quarters, right. that's a fact. We've done that. Yeah. If unemployment is going up as a result of these layoffs, yep. that, that's a fact. Layoffs are happening. We've seen a number of them in June, trending up. in July, right. now in August. You're going to see some more. That's an undeniable th- fact that it's happening now. And demand we know is coming down. You saw Target. You saw Walmart. You saw Amazon all report their sales were down. In some cases, Amazon, Target, they had to reforecast. Right. Their 12-month because consumer demand has dropped off. So that has happened in the market. Mm-hmm. How are we still actually telling people that we're not in a recessionary economy? We're pointing to these, these, these metrics. Even, even Jimbo over at Enber, mm-hmm. who's, who is literally telling people, you know, we got to take some time and look at the determination. I get why you need time because you want to see unemployment actually go up. Right. You want to see these things. For, when you make a call... You can point to the data that happened and you're not looking, you're, you're being reactive to the data. I get that. I, and I, you want time to see the data. I find. How are we really telling people we're not in a recessionary economy? What metric is going to change? The one, the one that they keep referencing, right, is the unemployment rate, right? That's the one that they're trying to get you to look at. Right? Well, and the labor market's strong. And the labor market's strong, market. right? And then they try to also look at, you know, the housing market. Ooh. That that may have been the most solid segue of the day. You're look welcome, at man. you, God, You're welcome, man. bro! Like, you look so casual yeah. and comfortable now. <laughs> You're a shadow of the guy that once was here. So with that, Saeed has provided the the sexiest transition of all time. I've got some new data that I think is important. I'm going to start off with a he- couple of headlines and a couple of quotes. All right, one headline and a couple of quotes. How about that? Okay. Headline: Home prices decline. Oh, I'm sorry. Home price declines are coming. I got so excited about the topic. Okay, Chris can't read it. Says a chorus of growing experts. Growing experts. I said it backwards. Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's try this again. Sorry. Home prices. Home price declines are coming. Says a growing chorus of experts. I am. I'm. I'm I'm stuck on stupid today. Yeah. All right. Quote one. An investment analyst at a 31 billion dollar firm says home prices are due to fall back toward their pre-pandemic levels and shares. Three cities where the declines will be among the worst in the country. So pre-pandemic levels actually aren't a super significant drop-off mm-hmm. relative to what we've seen over the past decade, but certainly well north of 30, 35%. Yeah. Okay. Quote number two. A perfect storm is brewing. A senior economist says home prices are primed for a 2008-style crash. As housing construction booms and demand gets crushed by rising mortgage rates. Mm-hmm. Right? And the third one. You ready for this? Yep. I didn't really understand this one, but I'm going to say it anyway because it sounded cool. Okay. <laughs> the damage is likely to have already been done. A former IMF official says that substantial home price declines are coming in the U.S. housing market as demand-crushing dynamics continue to put buyers on the sidelines. So with all this too, Case and Schiller U.S. National Home Price Index, right, says that this is rising at the same pace as before the Great Recession. And the problem with citing mortgage and home prices are what? That they're 18-month lagging indicators. Mm, the lagging indicator once again. So I will point out this from a psychological perspective is really what causes so much of the frustration that that we all experience with the news, with professionals that that are otherwise educated and smart, and you say, how can they not see this? Yeah. It's because so much of the data they're relying on are lagging indicators. Yeah. 
And so much of them are pointing to the strength of these numbers, strength of these numbers, strength of these numbers, that they're missing the last. I saw Graham Stevens. He's a popular YouTube channel. He's mm-hmm. a YouTube finance guy, young kid. He used to be a real estate agent, okay. uh, selling sensor crew. I think he worked with them. He did a breakdown of the Dave Ramsey video that Adam sent me, actually. Okay. Shout out, Adam. We love you, bro. So I, I watched the whole video. And he actually wound up agreeing with Dave Ramsey's conclusion that, that house prices were not going to be go dramatically down and that it might be nebulous over time. And it was so frustrating because he's such a smart guy. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, you're looking at all the lagging indicators for support. Well, of course, they're still strong. Right. It, it just incredibly frustrating. And it really, really bothers me that so many smart people are, are kind of missing, missing that. But on that same point, I wanted to bring this up. I actually read this and it, it, I had to read it twice because it really, really shocked me right. how big the number I was. I read this too. So home prices are still higher than they were a year ago. But the gains slowed at the fastest pace on record in June, according to Black Knight, a mortgage software data and analytics firm that began tracking this metric in the early 1970s. And I'll pause here to say that I love Black Knight, that you can actually go to their website as a consumer and pull down all the data that you want and splice it, Excel templates. They provide it all there. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not really sure how, how they make money, but it is a, an amazing resource that is left untapped by many people. So if you're listening to this and you want to get in some real estate data, Go to Black Knight's website, pull it down. It's, it's really cool. Knock yourself out. Yeah. The annual rate of price appreciation fell two percentage points from 19.3% to 17.3%. So I want to highlight this. That's from May to June. May to June, right? 193 to 17.3%. The annual rate of price appreciation fell. So prices aren't going up. They fell that quickly, right? Right. The appreciation in values. Even when the home prices crashed dramatically... During the recession of 2007 to 2009, the Great Recession, the strongest single month slowdown was 1.19 percentage points. Let that sink in. Nearly half of the velocity that we're seeing slow down right now. Right. That is a telltale sign from what would otherwise be a lagging indicator Mm -hmm. of some big problems. Right. So let's, let's, let's highlight how some of those problems have already been affected visible the housing market collapse deepening fast new home sales crater again as experts worry downturn could spark a recession i think we're in a recession whatever right but here's a quote plunging demand has started to hit prices hard the median sales price of new homes plunged to four hundred and two thousand four hundred dollars last month from four hundred and forty nine thousand dollars in may the lowest level since june 2021 after a record high of 457000 in April. It's coming down. So when we last talked about this, California had come down from May to June. Or was it June? I think it was May to June. Mm-hmm. From 760000 on average to 750000 on right. average. And everybody was talking, well, the national numbers are still going up. Well, now they are not. National numbers are going down too. I also tagged Dave Ramsey in Keeping Current Matters and asked for an apology. They've yet to get there. They're going to they're gonna, they're, do it. I think they're going to do it. They're going to do it. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. eventually going to get there. I think, but, we're, I think we're all going to be friends at the end of this. Right. Yeah, great friends. And it's more to add on this. So builders are struggling to sell new homes too, mm-hmm. right? Sale of new homes dropped 8% from May and 17% from a year ago. Okay? Damn. So- I, I just found this out. A balanced market is considered to have a four to six month supply. I think you may have mentioned this on a previous podcast. The last show, yeah. Okay, four to six month supply. Now it's over a nine month supply. So that was actually one of the things that a lot of real estate experts were focusing on. They were focusing on the, the number of months supply. Mm-hmm. 
That's a national number for, yeah. for current supply. Yeah. And it says it's nine mm-hmm. months. Right. So I wonder how that's calculated because the actual inventory of homes hasn't gone up, but I think because the demand's dropped off, they can yeah. calculate that as a little bit longer time. Okay. Or given the velocity of transactions that are yeah, getting under yeah. contract, right. maybe. Yep. yep. But I believe that. And and not only do so I believe that, that that's I that's actually I think gonna get extended out further. Yeah, right. and I think that that's what the so a lot of real estate agents were citing. Well, the 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 supply and the, the period of months, and I think it was down like three months. I think you said it was mm-hmm. something like that. It was it was yeah. down about a third. I think it was down to three months at one point, but uh, I think a balanced market is considered to be four to six. Yeah, and, and that's and really six is 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 a really healthy right. normalized economy, and that and that's where everybody. But something that I thought was really interesting because I mean, now I remember you had mentioned on the previous one I asked you is like what are some of these incentives that they're offering? Mm-hmm. So I looked into it. So some of these incentives are. They're lowering certain lot prices, right? Throwing in higher end finishes at no extra cost, and even giving paying people buyers their closing costs. Yeah, yeah, that's how that's bad great. it is. No, it's- I love it though. And look, that that's that's where the market needs to go. I mean, we talk about this as being a bad thing. I never understood this logic, and I and forgive me for asking the stupid ass question. Maybe you can help me out. But why are realtors so married? Look, I understand that the National Association of Realtors, their their solution to the affordability issue is that rates need to be low and that it, home prices aren't the problem. It's, it's, it's rates, right? Right. But let's just say we're not them and we're not arguing from a political perspective. We're arguing as I'm a realtor. I sell somebody a home. You never sell somebody a home and say, hey, the value is always going to go up. Yeah, yeah. You're selling them a property for their utility. They needed that at that point in time. You did the best they could in that market. Exactly. If values go down, that doesn't mean they're not going to go back up. Right. That certainly doesn't mean that you're a bad realtor. Yeah. And what I always, what I always tell people, and I think what you've, and what you told me when uh, I bought my place is look, values go up, values go down. It doesn't mean anything until you, when you're forced to sell or when you yeah, want to sell. It, look, it means you know? nothing and, until you liquidate. Exactly. So it's like, don't even bother like looking at it, treat it like your 401k right. almost. It's like, use it as a utility. Right. So, I mean, I get, I get that there might be somebody who's trying to flip a property or something like that. And that might be. That's different. Yeah, yeah. It's different, a business. But, but what a, it is a business, and that, that's that's a key kind of point, and that's a risk you take in business. Right. I don't know that you blame that that realtor solely for that. The other thing is, is we, we've been such a, a seller-heavy market where you, you as a real estate agent wanted to get all the, these properties you could sell because you could list them on a Thursday, they'd close and sell on a, on a Tuesday, you open an escrow, and, yeah. and it was just ready to go, right? Well... So now you're a buyer representative. It's easier to be a buyer than it is to be a seller. You know, it's harder to find seller people who are willing to sell, but there's tons of people who are going to be willing right. to buy. Like the, the market transitions. Become like, more versatile. Right? Why are we so against the idea of values changing? Mm-hmm. And, and I know that you zoom out far enough, values have gone up. When you adjust for inflation, they haven't gone up as much as you think. But having a balanced and healthy economy is so much more important than dealing with the affordability issues that we're dealing we could literally wind up in a situation where we wipe out a good portion of the middle class if i yeah when you've talked about that the greatest wealth transfer as ever is about to happen yeah but if i were if i were to venture to guess i think why people get so scared about the values changing is you know the great recession hit hard you know and when you i think when people when people start thinking about at least i would for a long period of time that if values change significantly what does that mean does that mean people are losing their homes again like i don't think people understand right well if that's true and i'm not saying that it's not i think that it's certainly true but what i don't understand about it is if it did hit them that hard and they do remember it mm-hmm. why deny it why, why why aren't we all being proactive then why aren't we all saying okay this happened before 
and I knew I know that it was it was it was traumatizing and people lost a lot, but we're in a better situation now from a credit perspective and and I'm smarter and I'm going to save money and go into this with eyes open. Why are we denying the reality of of what's happening in the economy? There are so many clearly obvious There's problems. There's a lot of dumbass people out there, man. You read the thing last week that people are afraid to check their credit card balance statements. That yeah, that still blows me away. Did I say the the, the Rolex situation? No. So or the values of these watches. The values of the watches. So I called a buddy and we were we were talking specifically about a gold Rolex presidential with a green face. Not that I wanted to buy it. It was just an example. Yeah, watch. right. And I was like, how much would you how much would you sell this for a couple months back? Ninety thousand dollars plus. And I'm like, wow, people were buying it. He's like, dude, all day long. I couldn't even keep him in stock. Yeah, I heard that the the watch stores didn't have any watches in the store. Oh, I got a great story about that. I'll give you one in a second. And I said, well, how much are you selling it for today? He said low $50,000. Wow. So essentially a $40,000 drop. In, now, mind you, that's still well over MSRP. So better than crypto. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Had to get you one crypto yeah, shot in here. <laughs> crypto bros, if you ever go missing, bro, I know you did it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just gotta follow the crypto trail, <laughs> and somebody in crypto go kill you, bro. <laughs> I swear. That's why I'm off the grid. <laughs> yeah, off, off the go. social media grid doesn't mean you're off the grid. Yeah, but. and off the chain. Yeah. Yeah. Blockchain. What? Yeah. Did oh, you just say off the chain and yeah. off the blockchain? Yeah, I did. Come on. I thought it was just a tacky comment and then you made it relevant and yeah. it is worse. It it's worse. worse. It's worse. It's Okay, it's, so back to your Rolex story. I don't know that I want to let that go. No, I want to know okay. about, about the watches right. not being in the store. So a guy uh, who follows us on the show, uh, well, follows my social media because you don't have any, mm-hmm. uh, hit me up and was telling me that he went to Paris uh, and he wanted to buy a Rolex from a Rolex store near the Champs-Élysées. Okay. Like the sass, yeah, yeah, you, you had to pronounce it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get it. I've been so, there a few times. Yeah, you know so, what I'm saying? Yeah, you're so cultured. Yeah, though. so cultured. <laughs> In any event, he um, he said that he walked into this Rolex store and that he wanted to buy watches, and he was shocked that most Rolex stores were relatively empty. They had some, you know, maybe female watches, but they actually had the the, the lower end Rolex that he wanted to buy. Okay. So he goes up to this uh, French salesperson who speaks English and says, "Hey, I would like to I'd like to buy that watch right there." Because he hadn't been able to find it back home. Right. And he goes, yeah, um, you're not one of my regular customers, so I'm not going to sell this to you. But if you want to buy one of these women's Rolexes, you're more than welcome to to buy one. Wow. <laughs> and that that goes to show you the level of arrogance. So he he thought, I'm going to sell this watch to anybody I want to. I'm going to sell it to a customer who I know is going to give me a repeat business. And you're an out-of-town tourist. Right. That's the perspective, man. Like that. That's... That's how far into these problems we've gotten. Yeah. That's how frothy the economy was. Jesus. Imagine having a brand like that. I mean, but like also like kudos to him. That's the right play for him, right? I mean, I guess it is, but at the same it time. Sucks like for your, it sucks for your friend, but I mean, that is the right play for him. Wow. You, so you're endorsing this type of behavior. No, no. I'm just I saying. I, you got to understand. You a bad dude, person. This is, oh, no. I'm just saying you can kind of understand where he's coming from. I mean, I guess I do on some level, but if, if you have a retail store. Yeah. Well, actually, let's back this up. If you're a brand like Rolex and you have supply issues and you have all these stores across the world. Right. It's not like I'm saying he's discriminating against his race. I'm saying he's discriminating like you're not a regular customer. No, no, I get that. Look, I get it. But what I'm saying is, is it just it's bad business. It is. Yeah. Now, what I do find funny is this would be a really compelling argument if you wanted to challenge the supply side recession to a demand side recession. You could easily argue that there's still a supply chain issue for a lot of stuff like this. A lot. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, we were so uh, update on the whole car situation for how right? 
over the weekend we actually went into tesla to see if we can maybe just get in line yeah. with those right so all electronic all day baby yes i mean so speaking of which um that bill that i talked about earlier they'd be bringing back the 7500 hundred dollar credit uh for ev vehicles and tesla would be included is that how you found it huh yeah that's how so, i found yeah. it yeah. I mean, that was a very weird bill for you to look yeah, up but yeah, yeah, hey, whatever. Yeah. but anyways uh so i go in and they tell me we want the model y because we want a family car to be able to you know and longer distance drive or whatever do family um, stuff family stuff you know because uh, i'm a good dad and um are you they said six not? month six month wait get the fuck yeah, out of here dude it. well no dude that's how long we waited that well i think that long for the model x and then I, he said he's like oh, but but like it may come it may come sooner and then he in the same breath he said but it may come later yeah so we waited i think it was about six months for joanna's car i bought it for her birthday and she didn't get it for like a long ass time right that was back before all this right so this then we opted 18 so we opted for the honda pilot and we got that this is actually uh, slightly off topic, but slightly a segue. So okay. bear with me here. So my wife got into her car accident where she was hit on her driver's side rear door, the door next I to remember, our son's yeah. car seat, right? Scary. And my, our son at the time was like just over one. Mm-hmm. That's been two years ago. This kid, 18-year-old kid who hit my wife's car, has literally been arguing with insurance this entire time. No one tells us, right? The insurance company doesn't tell us. The insurance company finally hits me up yeah. la- last week. Statute of limitations on this thing runs on August 10th. Oh, so wow. So if, in, he, if he doesn't file a lawsuit, in eight whatever. days. So this kid is claiming that he's an eggshell plaintiff. Are you familiar with that term? No. So somebody with a pre existing condition, let's say hypothetically brittle bones. If I were to touch you in a way that would not hurt somebody normally, but because you have a pre existing condition, it breaks your bones. Right, right, right. I am still liable for as approximate cause for the damages that impacted you, even though that would not have impacted a normal, similarly situated person. Right. That's an eggshell plaintiff argument. And it's one you learn as your first year torts in law school. This guy who hit my wife's car is arguing that he was an eggshell plaintiff because an hour after he was born, he had to go into some type of heart surgery or kidney surgery, something like that. Mind you, he hasn't been to the doctor in three years. At least that's the far back of the records that the insurance companies asked for. Right. Hasn't been in three years. He said that he was a great water polo player in high school. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, water polo is a full con. If you literally Google water polo, it's it's in the same like classes like football and rugby. Oh no, I know it's a full context. It's rough, yeah. He's saying the accident has caused him lifetime challenges and lifetime challenges, lifetime challenges, and that his his ability to play water polo, which he knew was going to take him far, he was playing at a junior college, uh, was uh, was immediately ceased because the water polo players make a lot of money. He can't play. So, how much do you think he wanted? This is all recent. This is literally last night. I typed a letter in response. Oh, I did not how, know How much this. do you think he wanted? So, the reason why I'm telling the story on, on the show is I think that there's a valuable lesson here. In a situation like this, the insurance company will come to you, the insured, and ask you, are you okay to disclose your insurance policy limits to the other side? Oh, right. And they'll want to know that if his requested dollar amount, in this case, it was more than my policy limits, if you're willing to contribute to any settlement. It was more than your policy limits. Yes, and I've got a great insurance. So here's a tip, pro tip. Number one, never disclose your policy limits because they're right. going to ask for the absolute maximum yeah, of that exactly. from your insurance company, yeah. if not more. Mm-hmm. So they so get them to settle. It's giving them a litmus test. You have no obligation to disclose and you should not do it. So right. we decline that. We also absolutely declined any contribution to any settlement because there should not be a settlement. Right. 
So how much do you think you asked for? I don't know. Uh, $2 million? <laughs> uh, 300000 which was interesting because it had been coached that most good policies are about 250000 oh. in in coverage approximately, right? Okay. So apparently my insurance company made an offer and he rejected it. It was like a nominal, like small offer and he rejected it. And now he's coming back and asking for more, citing all this damage. He, he didn't go to a doctor in here. He went to a chiropractor, but he missed a lot of appointments along the way. And his argument was, I didn't have a car. Uh, to get to the chiropractor. To get to the chiropractor, which for the record, so, he had insurance or maybe he didn't have it. I don't know, but he had to pay for his own. It was deemed to be like 50-50 fault because yeah. the wife made a turn. And, you know, right, right. It was deemed 50-50. But you want to hear the irony? Here's yeah. the funny part. Here's a crescendo. It's a Tesla. Yeah. It's got a USB drive in it. Okay. When there's an impact... Right. The camera records the previous five minutes or something like that. And then the moment of impact and then keeps recording until you turn it off. Oh, so it gets him coming out the car. And- I've got him dead to rights on his phone. That's why he hit my wife. He wasn't looking up. Oh, no. And I got him getting out of the car, refusing service, totally un, totally fine. And I got him. And you weren't there, right? I wasn't there, but I got there when his mom got there and literally said to him, because I speak Spanish. You can make a lot of money on this. You need to tell him that you're injured. Oh. And he was fighting with her in front of me. Like, because he, he knew it wasn't right. Because he didn't want to. I don't know that he knew it wasn't right or what the deal is, but he, he was fighting with me in, in front. It was fighting in front of, with her in front of me, not knowing right. that I spoke Spanish. Dude, how scary. And that hit the, the, the side that your son sits on. That was one of the scariest things. So I got the call that my wife had been in an accident and she called me right away. But she told me that it was the door. My son, literally, they hit my son's door. Yeah. So it, it freaked me out. He was actually okay. The car seat was fine. Like it, he was fine. Yeah. But it was certainly one of like the scariest thoughts ever. Driving there, like all these crazy ass thoughts go through. through right. Head. Right. So, yeah. No, I just went through this, but that's yeah. crazy. Well, I'm glad everybody's okay. And yeah, likewise, man. Yeah, man. But um, moral of the story: never release your policy limits. Never agree to contribute to anything. It shouldn't be that far. Your insurance should be handling it. Yeah. You should exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sir. We're at the we four, forty at minute the mark. Forty minute mark. That flew by. Time flies. And after uh, after staring at your lovely face for forty minutes, I don't I don't know what else I'm gonna do with my night. Dude, I can tell that you've been working out and cutting some weight because you know why? You're feeling confident wearing a white t-shirt around me. You see my nipples, right? <laughs> <laughs> white t-shirt makes you feel slim, huh? I actually have a testosterone update. Okay, my, let's hear it. God, I'm, I'm I, I shudder to say some of this. So a mutual friend that we we know hit me up and was asking all sorts of questions. But so I've been on uh, three quarters of a pill, of the estrogen blocker for two successive weeks now. Yeah. Everything was fine. The first week I was fine. No more nipple sensitivity. No more nipple sensitivity. <laughs> no more, no more hot flashes. Like I was good. Right. Felt like it felt like a guy who wasn't transitioning. <laughs> uh, and then on Friday, after I got my last shot, I was sitting on the couch. And again, I apologize to everybody out there. This is probably TMI. I felt like my ding ding was asleep. Oh, like, like, <laughs> like, like wake up. Yeah, like, like, you know, like, like when your foot falls asleep like that. No, 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 no. Like, like, like I had, I'd had so much testosterone in my body. Like he was always getting, I was always getting aroused and stuff. Right, right. And it was, it was like, it was too much. Like he was just wasn't like awake. Oh, like, like, I, like I, when you drink too much and you have erectile dysfunction. Actually, no, I'm the other way when I drink too much. If I drink too much, I can't get him to go to sleep. Yeah. Well, yeah, after yeah. all, after all this, things is turning around. So, yeah. <laughs> it's karma and at 42 years old to experience something like that for the first time was certainly 
off-putting. I would. I can only imagine. So I, I've talked to a bunch of people and doctor obviously since then, and I've kind of figured out that. So we we had me at 150 milligrams testosterone, and then I wasn't on an estrogen blocker at all. My estrogen stuff kicked in. It gave me a little bit of an estrogen blocker. I've gradually peaked that up because I had nipple sensitivity until this three quarters of a tablet. Yeah. But at some point, your body stops this knee-jerk response of producing extra testosterone and kind of comes back to normal and your, testo- your testosterone normalizes. Yeah. When they tested me at 150 milligrams, my shot. I was, I was somewhere in like the 14, 1500 range, which is well above normal. Right. And the goal, is to saying, get you, the goal is to get you between 600 and 800. 600 and 800. Yeah. And now, you, have you been consistent at any level during this time so far? No, because your body's kind of adjusting. So I think what happened, and doctor agrees, is that, is that my testosterone, my natural production has kind of fallen back to normal now. It hasn't like, because your, your knee-jerk response is your body just overproduces more whenever you're getting all this extra stuff in you. Mm-hmm. That's why it wound up being so high. Right. And that that it's probably fallen back to normal and that I'm probably somewhere in the six to 800 range now. Yeah. But that now I have too much estrogen blocker, which may be causing some of those do side they, effects. Do they also know, do they take into account that you've also picked up your working out regimen and- you're sleeping better. Well, the blood test, the the continued blood test over time really kind of trigger that. I did find out my LDL is high, which is weird, but I've also gained like 40 pounds since I was last tested. Right. Right. Wow. All right. Well, that's a good update. Lots of, lots of stuff there. I'm still learning. I have no, I no expertise in this, but uh, I'm certainly going to change my workout after, after talking with Adam and everybody over at mind pump. Oh yeah. They provided good stuff. I know I own a couple of their programs. Um, so I'm going to be jumping on soon too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know you see the activity tracker. I do. I see yeah. no activity. And for track. for uh, for those of you that that are wondering, Chris and I have competed five times on the Apple Watch, and I'll let you guys go ahead and DM him asking him for a screenshot of what that record count is. It's five zero. I'll let you win every time. I'm yeah. trying oh, to boost come your on. Ego. Oh yeah. Look, you need, you need extra motivation. Ego. One of the two of us is doing everything he can. Okay. <laughs> You're just happy that Adam said you weren't fat. Yeah. All right, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you for tuning in. Said. Appreciate you. Me or the audience? Damn, man. I got a, I got a, I got a nice review. I'm happy. <laughs> you got a nice <laughs> review from a family member. <laughs> Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.